Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. Promises and possessing them uh, after God spoke them. So turn to your neighbor and says and say, God bless you. Tell him you look really nice. God bless you. You may be seated, and we're going to start to redeem the time. I love your pastor and your pastor's wife. They are dear friends of ours. There's some people that you can be away from, and four, leaders, four years later, you can walk into their presence like nothing has happened. Of course, we know something has happened. We've all gotten older, but in, everything else is the same. Just our bodies are deteriorating a little bit. Every one of God's promises that are in Scripture, 1 Corinthians 1 and 20 says, for all the promises, say all the promises. All the promises in God's words, in him are yes and in him amen, to the glory of God through us. Say through me. So all of the promises that God has given to this church that you are to possess in 2006, in him are yes, and in him are amen. In other words, it's a done deal. And it's going to happen through me. Say, through me. Verse 21, now he who establishes us with you in Christ has anointed us. When we were filled with the Holy Ghost, that is the first level of anointing that he placed upon us. So he anointed us with the first level right when he filled us with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So he's anointed us, and it's God who has done that. Verse 22 says, he has sealed us, and he's given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Man, I love guarantees. If I buy something and it's guaranteed for life, I love it. That means every time something happens, I'm going to be at their doorstep knocking and saying, hey, this thing was guaranteed, fix it. We're lifetime partners. This is forever till I die. Get to know my face. Get to know me. You're going to see me every time something happens. It's a guarantee for life. Christ has sealed us. He's anointed us. And he's guaranteed that all the promises in his word are yes and amen. This is something that we can stand on, that we can rest in, that we can have peace in the middle of a storm, that we can say no matter what happens around us, what our eyes can see, what our hands can touch, what we can recognize, we don't have to stay on that level, but we can go into a spiritual realm with him that no matter what the eye sees or the hand touches or the ear hears, the promises are yes and amen through him who sealed it anointed me that's easy for us to concept sometimes we can say yeah I can grab that I can believe it but the hard thing is how do I acquire it I believe it in my heart I walk daily but how do I possess it how do I get what's in here into what I need today in Singapore we had several uh, and what, what I think you all recognize, I think you all realize this, that every time God is going to do something for you, he will let you know it. If you have a prophetic word, if God has a prophetic word for you, which he's had many for the church that we've shared with the Gleasons and they've shared with us things that have been said and promises from God, 
God always speaks. In the Old Testament, he always had his prophets reveal what he was going to do before he did it. That, those promises always came to be. But there was something that helped the people possess those promises. And what it was and what has always seemed to help us and what we have learned over the years in Singapore is the one most powerful concept that helped us to possess promises was obedience. It's obedience to the written word. It's obedience to the spoken word. When God gives you rema, rima, if you will do what he says for you to do in obedience to whatever he says to do, it is a natural thing if you do this and you get this. If you do it, this comes. Obedience is a concept in God's kingdom, and a lot of things are connected to it, and usually your promises are connected to obedience. Well, you say, well, what if he doesn't tell you specifically what to do when he gives you uh, a promise? Obedience to what you know to do, then, is the key. What you know to do, if you're faithful in the little things, he gives you the big things. So we do what we know to do. We do what we already know, and we continue to do it. And in that process of doing what he said to do in his word, the things that he said to you that are spoken will come to pass. It's a natural process. In other words, we do not force God to tell us and to make our uh, provisions come. We don't strong arm him. We don't say, I'll do, you know, if I do so many of this and so many of that, then you're going to reward me with what you said. No. He says, if you walk in obedience to my word, that is all you have to do. Be obedient, and obedience will unlock to you what you need. There was three specific areas that God spoke to me when I was thinking about obedience and three specific things that God did for us in Singapore. And I'm going to share with you just those three things. I'm sure there's many other things that will happen when you're obedient to God and obedient to his word. But these three things kind of came to my mind when I was thinking about obedience. Three things obedience to God's word spoken or written, the Logos, that will happen for you when you're obedient. Number one, Obedience to God's word starts you in a progression into his presence. Now, why is that so important? Sometimes we live in the physical. Well, majority of the times we do. Okay? We are physical creatures. So we are living in the physical. And when God, and there's many times when we are living in the physical, we face daily problems, daily trials, daily struggles, and we can't find or feel God in our situation. Sometimes when you come to church and, you, and, and the service begins and worship begins, you don't feel anything. You know, some people will say, well, then, you know, I'm not going to worship. I worship when God moves on me and I really feel something. That type of principle is not actually biblical. The Bible says, in everything give thanks. Rejoice evermore. So in other words, it's not a feeling. You don't worship because you feel it. You worship to feel it. So obedience to God's word starts you in a progression into his presence. And I'm going to give you some personal examples to explain what I'm talking about. 
When I was sick after I'd had my surgery for my breast cancer and I was laying in my bedroom, and they, it was the first Sunday after my surgery, and they were in church worshiping, and I knew they were worshiping, and I was laying on my bed, and I got the, the scripture came to my mind in Philippians. No, sorry, in, um, yeah, Philippians. Four and six, and it said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And I opened my Bible and I read it. Now I am, get the picture, I'm laying flat on my back. I've just had major surgery. I can't lift my arm. I don't feel God in my bedroom at all. All I feel is pain from the surgery. So it's not about feelings. It's about obedience to God's word. So as I'm laying on my bed and I know that everybody is worshiping in the house, I said, say, God, that's, I want to be obedient to your word. What is it that I need to do in this situation? Because I don't feel you. I don't know what to do. I wish I was in church this weekend, but physically I cannot. So give me some direction. So I went to the scripture and it said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be, be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. So I said, okay, God, so what do you want me to do? Because I'm not feeling God. But I need to be obedient because obedience will help me to possess my promises because all the promises are already mine. So I said, what should I do? And I felt like God said, thank me for where you're at and what you're in the middle of. And I thought, okay, I can do that. I don't feel it, but I can do it. And it's not about feeling. So God, I will be obedient to your word because obedience will lead me into your presence. So as I laid there, I prayed a prayer, and it was an odd prayer to me at the time because I thought, this is kind of strange to pray this. I don't know if what anybody would even think if they heard me saying it. And I laid there, and I thought, thank you, Jesus, for allowing cancer to come into my life. Now, I don't think he gave me cancer. However, the steps of, the, of a righteous our man are ordered of the Lord. So he knew what would happen. He allowed it. That means it was supposed to happen. So I said, thank you for allowing this into my life. And I said, okay, God, I've said those words. Now you're going to have to give my brain some understanding because I don't know what else to pray. I can say the words, but it's very hollow. I need my heart to engage in what my mind is saying because I want it to come out of the abundance of my heart and let my mouth speak the right thing. So help my mind to understand. And I was praying that prayer. Thank you for allowing this. God put thoughts into my mind. And I said, God, you could have given this to anyone. You could have let this happen to anyone in the church. But you knew that it would not destroy me. You knew I would not leave you and I would not charge you foolishly and I would not, you know, uh, go, on, go in another direction. But maybe my brother or sister who's new in the church would not be able to handle this. So God, I thank you for that reason. You trusted me. You knew that I could handle this. Wow, you think that much of me, God, that you know no matter what happens that I'm going to live for you and I'm going to walk with you? I give you praise, God, that you think so well of me and you trust me, oh God, and I will come through this and I thank you for it. And as I started doing that, I felt his presence. But I never felt his presence before that. 
It was only when I was obedient to his word and his word said give thanks and everything and I did it simply out of obedience that in the middle of that his presence flooded my bedroom and I could feel his love encase me. I could feel his spirit come around me and then he told me what to do next because when you are obedient to God's word it starts you into a progression into his presence and once you get into his presence you get into his power. You get into his instruction. Because when you are where he is, he talks to you. But you got to get to where he is. And how do you get to where he is? You get it through obedience to what he's already told us to do. So when I'm in his presence, now I can feel him, you're here. Now we've got communication going. I'm talking to you, you're talking to me. What's the next thing to do? And I felt like God told me to pray and intercede for the lost of the nation. Now, when you get into obedience and into God's words and he starts you into his progression, it's very interesting that a lot of times he does not have you pray for your needs. That is a very low level. Because he's already said in his word that everything is yes and amen. That all the promises are yours. So why do you have to keep asking him for something he's already told you is yours? That's like a child standing there saying, can I have a nickel? Can I have a nickel? Can I have a nickel? Yeah, I, I'll give it to you in a minute. Can I have a nickel? Can I have a nickel? Yeah, I'll give it to you in a minute. It's irritating. <laughs> I think it's got to be irritating to God. I've already told you all the promises are yours. It's yes already. It's amen already. It's settled in heaven and earth. Let's get to a higher level, people. Let's go a little higher. Let's aim a little higher. Let's get off of the base things, the things that are temporal, and let's get to the spiritual. And so in the middle of that, God never, here I am hurting in extreme pain. I cannot even lift my hand up. I couldn't fix my hair. When I finally started going to church, Steve did my hair. It was like the wrath of God when I went to church. It was, it was awful. Steve would fix my hair and I'd go. And everybody would say, oh, who fixed your hair, Sister Barb? I said, Pastor. Oh, well, about six months later when I could finally raise my arm and I fixed my hair, they'd say, your hair looks so nice today, Sister Barb. Are you fixing it again? I said, yes. I know it was every direction. It was, it was like the wrath. It was terrible. <clears throat> But when you get into God's presence, he instructs you. Not about your own needs. My need was I needed some touch. I'm in pain. This was a major surgery. I am hurting. And God says, no, no, no. Now I'll tell you what to pray about. I'm aware of where you're at. You don't even have to spend time on that. You need to spend time on praying for the lost. So I started, my prayers that morning was not about me. Because now I'm in his presence, and I have to be obedient to his instructions. So he says, pray for the lost, Barb. And I start interceding for the lost of the nation, asking God to send his angels from the east and the west and the, to the north and the south and to release to the body and to the lost in that nation for salvation. Send your angels, Lord, and bring in the harvest. And I'm weeping and crying for the lost of that nation. And God says, go bigger, Barb. That's great. And I could feel him. I'm feeling like he's pleased. Go bigger. And I start praying for China and for Indonesia and for Burma and for India. God, send your angels and release the lost. Send forth laborers, oh God. There's got to be somebody who wins the lost. We've got to reap the souls of those who are dying. Help us, oh God. Set it up for us. And as I'm doing
doing that, I'm feeling like God's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. You're on. You can feel it. You're, you're in the groove. And in the process, now this is what I'm telling you. Step one, it starts you in a progression. You don't feel anything. But when you start feeling something, you're there. That's when he will instruct you and he will direct you. And from that, in the middle of that process of step one of just obeying, and I'm reaching out and I'm feeling God and I can feel his presence, God says, reach out and reach the lost. Don't think about what you need. That's, that's baby thinking. So my hand's up here. My other hand's over here, and as I'm reaching for God and reaching for others, the process is that his spirit flows through you. And in the process of him flowing through you, automatically the peace of God will flood your heart and your mind. And everything that was taking place in your level, he automatically takes care of if you will be obedient to what he told you to do in his word. His peace flooded into my bedroom, and my understanding was touched to where I was not anxious anymore of the pain. I wasn't anxious of how everything was going to happen. I just knew it was all right. I never had to pray for it. I never had to ask for it. It took care of itself through simple obedience. Obedience starts you in a progression into his presence. The second thing obedience does is obedience today unlocks tomorrow's blessing. When you are obedient right now to what God tells you to do, it's connected to what you need an answer for tomorrow. And if you don't do what you should do today, then tomorrow you're going to be whining and you're going to be falling on your face. Why aren't you answering me? <laughs> Why isn't there anything today? I'm desperate. And God said, I really had the answer for you yesterday. Remember when I said, and a lot of times when you get down and you pray, and you're praying and you're asking God, God will say, and you'll go back to him. It's kind of like our kids. They come back to us and say, you know, Mommy, can I go outside and play? And you say, have you made your bed? And put away the toys. Well, no. Well, didn't I tell you to do that? Well, yeah. Well, go back to your room and make your bed and put away the toys and then come back to me. And a half an hour later, they come back. Can I go outside now? My friends are waiting for me. Have you made your bed? No. Did you put away your toys? Well, one of them. Go back and do what I already told you. This is how God interacts with us. We come to him and God, and we're praying, and God says, go knock on some, go visit your neighbor, or give your friend a call that you haven't seen in a long time, and we go, yes, yes, yes the friend. It's the friend day. Yeah, it's going to happen this time. And we leave the sanctuary and we get out and we get busy with life. It's normal. It's all of us. It's me too. You know, it's all of us. And we forget about it. And then when tomorrow comes, God, why won't you provide for me? And God brings us back and says, have you done what I asked you to do already? Well, no, God, but what has that got to do with this? Tomorrow's blessing are connected to today's obedience. I'm going to give you a story, an example of that. We were in Singapore, and uh, we were getting ready to come home one time. I don't know if I've ever told you this story or not. Did I tell you a story about a Birgitta? We were coming home for a trip, 
a deputation. And when we got ready to come home, Steve was out in early morning prayer and he walks the East Coast at that time. We lived near the beach. And so he'd get up early morning before daylight and he'd walk the beach and he'd pray and he'd ask God, here I am, you know, what do you want? And in the middle of that praying, God spoke to him and said, uh, I want you to give me the money that you have in the bank that you got saved. It's really important to you. And it was about $10,000 that we had saved to buy a car when we came home for deputation. He says, I want that $10,000, Steve. Now, I'm talking about today's obedience unlocks tomorrow's blessing. You want to possess tomorrow's blessing? Then you got to do what God tells you to do today. If it's get out of the pew and go pray for somebody, if, it's, if he talks to you and he says do something, if he tells you to give to the church, whatever it is that God tells you to do, it actually can be It's connected to what's going to happen tomorrow. So God says, Steve says to, to God, God, that's not important to me. Money's not important to me. I haven't cared. He said, oh, yeah, it is kind of important to you lately. And he says, no, God, it's not important. Money is not important to me. Why are you saying that? I live overseas. You know, I've given my life to you. I'm a missionary. Get the idea if you forgot. Oh, thanks for reminding me, you know. I have these lapses, you know. Right. He says, yeah, it is kind of important to you. He says, You've been, you and Barbara have been talking about that money, you know, about, quite a bit. He says, well, God, I was, you know, we're talking about to have a car or whatever, but it's not that important. He says, yeah, it's pretty important. I want it. And Steve says, okay, God, you can have it. But you've got to talk to Barb. So Steve comes home and he walks through the glass panels to the house in, in the house and he's come from prayer and I'm on my way up the stairs to the second level and he stops at the door. He says, Barbara, I was just at the park and he said, God was talking to me. He said, and I feel really strong that God spoke to me about something that we need to give away. He said, and I need for you to pray about it. And I said, okay, no problem. And I start up the stairs and he goes, no, this is important. This is a big one. I need you to pray about it because I need for you to confirm it. So I need to know, are, do you hear what I'm saying? I really need for you to pray about this and give me an answer. I said, no problem. And I walk upstairs. Two weeks go by, and he comes back, and he's a little agitated with me, and he's like, did you pray about it? Huh? Oh, he took me to steak dinner. I don't remember that. I think he's in la-la land. <laughs> Anyway, steak dinner. Okay, we'll say the other one because I got to live with him. He took me out to a real nice steak dinner. <laughs> and he said, did you pray about that? It's two weeks. You've never said anything to me. Did you pray about it or not? And I said, I didn't have to pray about it. What do you mean you didn't pray about it? This was a big deal. This is something God spoke to me about. You needed to pray about it. It was very serious. And I said, Steve, I didn't have to pray about it. The minute you walked through the door and told me, and you said that God told you to give something away, I said, God already told me what it was. You're kidding. I said, no. Why didn't you tell me? You didn't ask. I have a very sick sense of humor. He says, well, what did God tell you? I said, he said, give, give away $10,000. He said, oh, my, you've done it now. It's confirmed. I said, well, it was confirmed two weeks ago because God stood there and told me right then. So, I, yes, the answer is yes. So for the next three months, it took three months, we're praying every morning because we've heard the voice of God. We're obeying what God told us to do. Now, step one is done. Now, who do we give it to? 
God, we have, so every morning we're getting up, God, we have $10,000. We know there's got to be some missionary on some beach going, Lord, I need money, because missionaries always need money. Lord, help me, you know, give me some money. I'm a missionary if you don't know that, so it's okay for me to say that about him. Lord, we need money. So we said, God, just tell us who these people are. We will give them the money. We're happy to give them. Just tell us who it is. Three months every day praying, who gets the money? Who do we send the money to, God? What is it you want us to do? And in the process of that, we had a speaker that came to Singapore for one of our harvest points. And in the middle of that of that time they were there helping us, they received a phone call. They were taking their youth choir tour over to Budapest, Hungary. And they were going to be doing a youth choir tour, and they had the whole budget set. The kids had walked in the cornfields and walked beans, and they had, the youth had raised their money, and they had done everything they could to get there. And in the middle of it, the price changed. And for them to go now, the coach coaches that were going to carry them was $10,000 more. And they were sitting at our table and they go, we're, we're not going to be able to do this trip. I can't believe this. We've done everything we can possibly do. We've raised all the money we can raise. We've emptied the treasury. The kids have walked beans. They're in the cornfields. We don't have the money. I don't know what we're going to do. And me and Steve look at each other and we know this is it. And we're wanting to go, we've got the money. We'll give it to you. It's already been this way for three months. God's already told us to give it to someone. It's already been provided three months before you knew you had a need. God's already told us. We're the answer to your need. It's already provided. And we say, can we tell them, God? And God says, mm-mm. Two weeks, those poor dear people suffered. Every day turmoil over how they're going to get money, how they're going to pay for this. And we have the money, and we're ready to write a check to them. But God says, mm -mm. They leave, and 40 days later, Steve's out on the beach on the 40th day. God tells him, call them now. Obedience unlocks tomorrow's blessing or provision. So he picks up the phone and he calls them and he said, God told me to call you today and tell you what we knew three months and 40 days ago <laughs> that we were supposed to give to someone $10,000. And when you were in Singapore, we knew to give you the $10,000, but God would not let us tell you, and I don't know why. And the pastor says, wait one minute. He says, let me go get my wife. She's in the auditorium praying. And when we, he said, when she came in and we told her the whole long story, she said, I'm going to tell you why you couldn't tell me. We said, yeah, that'd be kind of interesting. Why wouldn't God let us tell you? She said, 40 days ago when I was in Singapore, I made a commitment to God. He asked me to do something, and then he would provide for this need. He asked me to go back to morning prayer again. She said, I'd let it lapse, and I told God that I would be faithful, and I would go back to morning prayer, and God told me that after 40 days, he would provide if I would be faithful. And this is the 40th day. She said, I was in there on my face telling God, it's 40 days. Where's the money? She said, you couldn't tell me because I had to be obedient. Her obedience, her provision was connected to her obedience. So we gave them the money. They went to Budapest, and we were leaving Singapore. That was money for our, during our deputation. But we did not have a secretary for the office. At that time, the church was small. We had no office personnel. And we were thinking at that time, God, we could use that $10,000 to get a secretary. But God said, uh-uh-uh. 
That's not how it works. Give and it shall be given unto you. Give me that money. So he said, okay, we gave it away. While they're on the streets in Budapest, a lady walks by and hears the choir singing and they pray her through to the Holy Ghost. Her name is Birgitta. So while they are there, Birgitta receives the Holy Ghost. Birgitta can speak five languages, Chinese, Japanese, some, about three Slovakian or two Slovakian languages, and English. Fluent. So she gets saved in Hungary. That was one of the people that get touched. And they come, the choir comes back, and we do deputation, and we come back to Singapore. And when we land in Singapore, we walk into our office, and there's a lady sitting at our computers typing for the church, doing volunteer work. Never seen the lady, so I said, hey, who are you? She says, oh, my name is Birgitta. That's great. How did you come to come to Singapore? How'd you get saved? You know, that's quite common there. We'll say, how did you come to know the Lord? Tell us what happened in your life. And she says, oh, it was wonderful. She said, I was from Budapest, Budapest Hungary. And she said, there was a youth choir that came over and they were singing on the streets. I said, really? What was the name of that choir? And she told me which choir it was, which was the choir we had given the money to. And she said, and while they were singing, I was drawn by that. And God filled me with the Holy Ghost and I was baptized in his name. And not long after my baptism, God spoke to me and told me to come to Singapore. She said, I can speak Chinese, and I can speak Japanese, and I can speak these other. She said, and I have been here. She stayed for, I don't know if it was six months or eight months, something like that. She said, God told me to come here and to help your church. And I was dumbfounded. I was like, God, you are so awesome. Our obedience to give to someone in Illinois so a choir could go to Budapest so that Birgitta could be saved, so Birgitta could come back to Singapore. This is mind-boggling, oh God, that our simple obedience can go around the world and unlock provisions and blessings for people who obey what you ask. I was sharing this story, I don't know, in a church somewhere, I don't remember where, and at the end of the story, a couple came up and they said, oh, let me tell you something else that happened because you obeyed. They said, we were in Europe at that time, my husband and I, and we had arrived and we were doing an AIM appointment, she said, and we were so dry and we were struggling and we were desperately needing something from God. We didn't know if we should stay. She, they, we felt like we were out of the will of God. We didn't know what to do. She said, and when that choir sang, we were on the streets. We went to that meeting. She said, and God miraculously renewed us and put virtue back into us and restored us. Hey, folks, what we understand and what we come to comprehend in the spirit is just a tip sometimes of what God is doing. It's wonderful when God opens our understanding and he shows us things that can transpire when we are obedient. When we simply do simple things, yes, sometimes we see the whole picture. But most times we don't have any comprehension of what can be done in the supernatural through a simple act of obedience that could be very small and insignificant. But in the spirit, obedience is a powerful weapon that tears down walls that cannot be broken down in the physical. The doors that cannot be unlocked in the natural.
But obedience to God's word can make it happen. I thought just Birgitta was good enough for me. God, she was worth every penny. What can, how can you buy one soul? You can't. I was thrilled with just that, but that wasn't, at all, that wasn't everything. That was just a small thing. This other couple said, you don't know how that affected us. You weren't aware of that, but we were there struggling. And that totally kept us and helped us to, to stay where we were at and finish out what we had told God we would do. The third thing obedience does is it releases power. And uh, I'm going to share something real quick with you. And we're going to close. Try to do this quick. Uh, there's two examples of power that is released when you're obedient to God's word. One of them is in Nehemiah 8 and 6. And this was a time when uh, the children of Israel were not in obedience to God's word. In fact, they weren't really doing what God wanted them to do. They did not have any understanding of what they should do. They were, uh, were not doing well uh, at all. And God needed to instruct them. And so what did he do when they didn't have direction and they were not in obedience and they were doing what they shouldn't do? It says in Nehemiah 8 that Ezra gathered the people together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. Verse 2, so Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of the men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Now, seventh is very important because seven is God's number of completion. So it was the seventh month that they were doing. It was the month of completion. Then he read uh, from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand and the ears of all, say all, all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood which they had made for the purpose and beside him at his right hand stood. Now, this is where we're getting to. I said that obedience to God's word releases power. And I want to tell you, I've written out some of the meanings of these names because this is kind of significant to me. Uh, they were gathered together, and Ezra brings out the law, and he starts reading the law, and all the people had understanding. In other words, everybody that heard the law had rema. They knew what it meant. Here they had been disobedient. They had not been following directions. They had not been doing what God wanted. But the simple obedience to following what God's word said, they had their, all those who could hear had revelation or understanding or rima while he was reading. And because they did, this is what God did. Obedience releases power to your situation. While he was doing this, seven men came and stood on his right hand and seven men came and stood on his left hand. Again, I told you seven is God's number. They were in the seventh month with seven on the right and seven on the left. And the names of these people are pretty awesome. Of what God puts on your right side and your left side when you're obedient to his word. Because obedience releases power. So on his right side, he had Mathathiah, which meant gift of the Lord. So on his right hand, he had the gift of the Lord. The next name that was there was Shema, which meant hearing. 
He had Ananiah, which was meant answer. He had Uriah, which meant light of the Lord. He had Messiah, which meant refuge of the Lord. So on his right hand of obedience or listening or understanding of the word stood gifts, hearing, answers, light, and refuge. Powerful. That comes with obedience to the spoken and the written word of God. That's what stands on your right side. Seven perfect things. On your left side was Pedadiah, which meant redemption of the Lord. Hosham, which meant great, wealthy. Hashbodena, which meant reason or wise judgment. Zechariah, which, which meant remembered of the Lord, so he remembers us. Mishalom, which meant repaying, he repays you. Uh, Mishael, which meant who is that which God is. And Molchaiah, which means appointed of the Lord. So on your left side is redemption, wealth, reason, or wise judgment. God's remembrance. You want God to remember what he's promised you? It stands on your left side when you obey and have understanding of his word. Repaying, God is, is on your left side. I am that I am. God is. He's on your left side. God's appointed. It's on your left side. What happens when we read the word of God and it goes forth both the spoken and the written is he releases on your right and your left side everything that we need. You don't have to ask for these things. It's there. Say it's there. And we're going to close with a prayer that God gave me when we were in Singapore just to give you an example of how God releases power to you. We were in a prayer meeting. I could give you many examples of some of these, but this one is one that we felt when we were on the ground yesterday. And this is going to be out of Ezekiel. No, out of First Kings. Let me see. Where am I? No, that's about the widow. Let me get to uh, Ezekiel. This is going to be in Ezekiel 36, 37. So we were on the site, and we were in Singapore, and we were having, we were in the middle of just a Tuesday night regular prayer meeting. And in the middle of the prayer meeting, I felt like God gave me some instruction what the church should pray for, for revival to break out. Again, obedience to God's word. It seemed kind of different. It wasn't anything I'd ever prayed before. But when we started praying this prayer, it was pretty amazing. The very next Sunday, we had people walk in off the street received the Holy Ghost. And immediately following that, people who had not ever made contact with people started making contact with people. People that they tried, could not run into, who was, you know, kind of side-passing them, did not want to connect with them. Connections started happening, okay? Within three months of this taking place, we had so many people that came into the body that we had 30 people who signed membership, They'd been baptized in Jesus' name, received the Holy Ghost, sat through our classes on an understanding of what it is to be a member, to tithe, et cetera, et cetera. And they signed the, uh, the membership covenant at one day. And how many were in a new Bible study class? 20-something? Were that same Sunday signed up for a new Bible class, a group class of over 20 people, 26 people, something like that. Three months into us praying this prayer. And God, in other words, I'm saying God said, pray this prayer, and it was what was needed for it to happen in our area. So I want to just go over that real quick with you, and we're going to end with that prayer for the church, because I know you're getting ready to do high five, or give them five, or what is, not high five, give them five. High five is what we do with our kids. Give them five, isn't that it? The, 
Give me five. That's what it is. All right, give me five. Our youth says what? What is our five program, Steve? Give them five. Our youth does that also. Five new Bible studies within the year. And they went from 30 to 150. It happens, folks. So they were, we were praying. Let's go to Ezekiel 37. This is, where, this is what we prayed. And then I'm going to close because I know you need your break. So we're just going to do a quick prayer. Is that all right? Can you give me another three minutes? You can stand it before you go to the bathroom for another three minutes. Great. But we're all together. Ezekiel 37. And the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit. Say, in the spirit. Now, God led him here. He was in obedience to God's word. He was in the spirit doing what he should do, listening to what God told him to do. And where did God take him? in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of what? Bones. So when he was doing what he should do, the spirit led him to a valley of bones. Don't try to figure it out. Don't try to analyze it. Don't try to say this is a bunch of bones, nothing can happen. Just be obedient and do what he tells you to do. He'll do the rest. He's the one who makes it happen, not you. You just obey. Verse 2. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, they were how many? How many? When it says a double, uh, to me that's like saying it twice. It's many. No, it's very many. When God does a double, it's pretty significant. There were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were what? They weren't just dry, folks. It was a double. They were very dry. In the, God took them in the spirit to a valley where there was very many bones that were very dry. Didn't look like revival to me. Verse 3, and he said to me, son of man, can these bone lives? Now, isn't that like God? Why is God asking them? They're not God. How do they know? They just, to them, they look in their eyes and it looks like a bunch of bones. So I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. So it's all right that you don't always know what's going on. That doesn't stop the miracle from happening. You don't have to understand it. Say, I don't have to understand it. I don't have to be a genius. I don't have to be anything. I just have to obey. And again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones. Now, I had never done this. That night, and that's what we're going to do this morning, we stood in as a body, we prophesied to the dry bones in Singapore. Never had done that before. And many of you may have already done it, and you could teach me a couple things, but we had not done it. And say to them, what do you say to dry bones? I thought, okay, let me see what I'm supposed to say, God. Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. We stood up and we prophesied to the bones and we commanded them that were dry, and there's lots of dry bones out there, folks, that they had to hear the word of the Lord. So let's stand. We're going to start with that. And then we're going to go to the second prophecy. We pray these prayers. Now, you, God knows where your dry bones are <clears throat> better than you do. And he knows which dry bones are going to hear the word. So when you prophesy, that means you are in agreement with what's settled in heaven as what's on earth, and it has to happen. When God gets an earth partner that agrees to what he says it's going to be, it happens. His divine will comes to the planet, and a man says yes, and together it is not stoppable. 
So right now, I want us to pray for just about a minute or so, and I'm not going to do it long because I'm five minutes over already. We're going to prophesy to the bones, the dry bones. And God, what happened when we prophesied to our dry bones is, let me tell you, just let me read the verse to you, what happens? Thus saith the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. Now, this is a done deal. Verse 5. Verse 6. I will put sinew on you, and you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then the Lord shall know that, then you shall know that I am the Lord God. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise. Say a noise. And settling a rattling. Say a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Say there was a noise. That lets us know after we prophesize, you're going to hear something. That means that people maybe who have not contacted you, will start, you will start running into them. You'll get phone calls. People you meet on the street that have a problem, that's a divine appointment. You're supposed to talk about God to them. When they tell you they have a problem, you're not supposed to go, oh, man, that's terrible. You're supposed to say, you know, this is a divine appointment from God. What do you mean a divine appointment? I'm telling you, I have prayed that God would bring me to somebody, and you are that person. And I am going to pray for you if you'll allow me, and God's going to enter into your situation to let you know that he is God. He sent me to you. You're going to hear a noise or a rattling. You'll run into people. It's something that you will recognize is happening. And verse 8 says, indeed, I looked. Say, I looked. The sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them all over, and there was no breath in them. You're going to see it. You're going to hear it. That's to let you know. Wake up. It's happening. Those aren't just coincidences. This is a divine appointment. You'll see it. You'll hear it. Things will start happening. Recognize it and act in obedience from the prayers you've already prayed. So let's pray it right now. I want you to pray to the dry bones that they would hear the word of the Lord. The dry bones in Kansas City, the dry bones in your office, the dry bones in your family, the dry bones that are your friends in your neighborhood, wherever it is that you want to reach, you prophesy to them, dry bones hear the word of the Lord. Lord, right now we come together as a body of believers in faith believing, and Lord, we command in your name according to your word, with the authority of your word, with the authority of the Holy Ghost that you place within us. We command the dry bones of Kansas City to hear the word of the Lord. We command the bones to come together. We command sinew to come upon flesh that we will hear and see, oh God. We command them to listen to what is being said of your word, that Bible studies would spring forth, that they would listen to our testimonies, that they would listen to the word of the Lord that we would bring to them, oh God, that they would receive the word, that they would respond to the word. We command the dry bones to hear the word of the Lord as is spoken in Ezekiel. We command it to take place in 2006 in our families, in our jobs, in our offices, in our neighborhoods, whatever dry bones are, thus saith the Lord, hear the word of the Lord. In your name, Jesus. Hear the word. Hear the word. In Jesus' name, we prophesy it. In Jesus' name, we prophesy it.
In Jesus' name. We're going to pray one more prayer, and then we're going to close, because I am now 10 minutes over. Please forgive me. Verse 9, and he said to me, prophesy to the breath or to the, to the wind, is what it says in the King James. And we know that there are four major winds, okay? If you have not read the book by Jeff Arnold, The Four Winds, One God, One Voice, or something like that, do you remember that? It'll give you more understanding to what the four winds do. But we are going to prophesy to the wind, which is the spirit of God. Okay, that's what we're prophesying to. Uh, verse 9. Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, or to the wind, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet with exceedingly great an exceedingly great army. And he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. He brought back everybody. They indeed shall, they indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O people, I will open your graves and cause you to come from your graves and will bring you into the land of Israel. Verse 14. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. On the mountain over there. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it. Uh, verse 22. And I will make them one nation in the land on the mountain. I like that. You got a mountain. One king shall be their king, and they shall no longer be two nations, nor shall they be divided into two kingdoms again. It's not going to be carnal and spiritual. God's going to unite these people. Verse 23, they shall not defile themselves anymore with their idols. You know, people say, can, they, can we have a great revival like this and people come in and then embrace everything? It says it here, they can. They lay down their idols. I will deliver them from their dwelling places in which they have sinned, and I will cleanse them. Verse 24, and they shall, uh, David, my servant, shall be king over them, and they shall have one shepherd. There's going to have one shepherd, and there'll be one king. When God fills them with their spirit, they'll lay down their idols, and he will cleanse them from their filthiness. They will worship one God, and they'll have one shepherd. These are promises of God. So right now I want us to prophesy to the wind the Spirit of God, that he would fill the bones that are going to hear the word of the Lord. Lord, right now we pray together as a body of believers, and we prophesy, O oh Lord, to the four winds, and we command, Lord, that the wind of revival and the wind of the Holy Spirit would blow into the dry bones, O oh God. We command them after they hear the word of the Lord that the breath of life or your spirit, salvation, would be breathed into their bones, and that they would born again of the water in Jesus name that they would be filled with your spirit speak in other tongues as the spirit of give us, gives utterance we command oh Lord that the wind would blow on Kansas City Lord we command that revival would break out as it was greater seven times greater than it was in Topeka Kansas Lord we command that revival be restored into this city oh God and that all the dry bones would be filled with your spirit, we ask it 
In your name, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details. Thank you.